Hi, this is Sam Chand, and welcome to the Sam Chand Leadership Podcast. It is my honor to serve you, help you achieve your dreams. Let's do this together. What I'm learning is that a lot is being written and taught on organizational leadership. Issues of reopening, growth in churches, nonprofits, and profit or corporations and organizations. However, after personally speaking to literally hundreds of leaders worldwide, and if I counted conferences, probably thousands of leaders worldwide in just the last few months, I discovered that what started as a professional concern is now morphed into a personal challenge. Uh, Leaders are exhausted. Leaders are fried. Leaders are frazzled. Leaders are hurt. Let me put it this way. Leaders are simply tired. Just tired. Am I describing you? Because till you can get in touch with what's really going on inside of you, it becomes difficult to lead in that environment. Leaders of organizations are never off, especially those who are leading at the highest levels, at the executive levels. Uh, In these difficult days of nonstop communication via a variety of portals, you know, you're getting text messages, you're getting WhatsApps, you're getting Signal, you're getting tweets, you're getting Facebook, you're getting Instagram, you're getting TikTok, you're getting LinkedIn, you're getting emails, you're getting phone calls. I mean, it doesn't stop. Does not stop. Now it is like you're in a circular room with doors everywhere and people are walking in to you and at you at times because that's the environment that we are functioning in right now. You're never off. You haven't been off. Whenever somebody takes an executive position in an organization, this is what I say to them. I say to them, hear the words of Sam Chant. From this day on, you will never have a vacation, a holiday, or a day off. Never. You could be on a Mediterranean cruise somewhere. That will always be on. I mean, pastors, pastors, they are on vacation. And on Sunday, while they are in their hotel on vacation, guess what they're doing? They're watching their church online. you never off. You're thinking about what happened, what didn't happen, what went right, what didn't go right, and you're getting text messages, what about this and what about that, and you're having to make decisions. You are never off. You are tired. You are just tired. So today's leadership challenges, i got four things under that. Number one, it feels like quicksand, quicksand. Leaders have fallen into it, not because... You did not want to avoid it, but it's all around you and it's excruciating to exhausting to extricate yourself from that quicksand. Can I describe your quicksand for you? If you say something, somebody will misunderstand you. If you don't say anything, somebody's going to misunderstand you. Let me, let me break it down further. It does not matter what decision you make, you'll be wrong in somebody's eyes. 
and it is that quicksand that keeps pulling you out. You feel like you're up, you're coming up for air, but keeps pulling you down. Number two, what I'm discovering is keeping the team, team engaged is tougher now than ever before. All of you leaders know, keeping your teams engaged now is harder than ever before. I can tell you most of my consulting conversations now are not about not about growth. They're about staff members not getting along, disengaged. Gallup that does surveys has been doing it for years and years informs us just recently that only 70%, 7-0, only 70% of your team is engaged. Only 70% of your team is engaged. So if you're looking at 10 people on your team, seven of them are not engaged. Three of them are engaged at a variety of levels. It's tough out there. Number three is maintaining and growing a healthy culture. It's tougher now than ever before. Maintaining and growing a healthy culture. Because dysfunction, detoxing, is just become part of what we do. And then number four, what I've discovered in the consulting work is numbers will change, but issues will remain the same. Let me, let me use a church example to dig a little deeper on numbers will change, but issues remain the same. You could have a church of 100 people or a church of 10,000 people. Your numbers have changed. Numbers of buildings, numbers of people, numbers of, volu of volume of uh, volunteers, numbers of classrooms, numbers of location, numbers even money-wise. Your numbers have changed, but your issues are still the same. You're still dealing with people, still dealing with conflict, still, still dealing with volunteers, still dealing with uh, staff still dealing with facilities, still dealing with legal issues, still dealing with uh, facility issues, still dealing with uh, corporate law issues, you're still dealing with insurance issues, you're still dealing with liability issues. Your numbers have changed, but your issues have remained the same. Back in 1979, uh, Henry Nguyen uh, wrote a book, the title of the book will give away what I want to talk about today. And the book title was, I hope, I'm sure some of you read it, called The Wounded Healer. The Wounded Healer. And the bottom line question is, for me is, who's going to heal the healer? How do you take care of you? How do you, as a leader, not take care of the organization, not take care of your company, uh, how do you take care of you? So help us uh, define that. I have come up with two words. I'm going to use the alphabets from each of those two words to create some kind of velcro and stickiness so to what I want to share with you. Here are the two words, press in. 
as in Paul, R E S S I N. How do you take care of you? By press in. So let me give you all seven of those alphabets because I know some of you are OCD and you don't want to miss any of them. So before I get into every one of them, I just want to give you the seven alphabet. P stands for physically, taking care of yourself physically. R stands for relationally, taking care of yourself relationally. E stands for emotionally, taking care of yourself emotionally. S number four, which is right in the middle of the seven, is spiritually. How do you take care of spiritual well-being? The next S is succession. Succession and transition. How do you take care of your succession? The next word is in. I stands for income, your finances. And N stands for, I'll get to that. I don't want to give that away. That's my favorite. So I'll get to that at the end. And before I start talking about the press in, I, I have some disclaimers. So without insulting anyone, let me assume that we are all a five. On a scale of one to ten, one being the lowest, five being the highest, I'm just going to assume me, you, everybody is a five. And as you go through this, and we'll go do this together, be thinking about, even write it down, even write it down, because I'm going to ask you that at the end. What's the one thing you can do to move from a five to a six in the next month? And we'll do that at the end of every point. So we'll do that seven times. And the question is, what can you do to move yourself from a five to a six in the next 30 days? So at the end of this session, my time with you, you should have a seven-point plan. How's that? You'll have an actual takeaway seven-point plan. You ready? Here we go. Number one, taking care of yourself physically. I am guilty of that, more guilty in my past than I'm right now, but most leaders do not take good care of their physical tempo. You know, most people, most leaders that I know, including me, have a life-defining moment or a death-defining moment for me with a heart attack a few years ago before we take care of ourselves seriously. So I had friends who would ask me, do you work out? And I said to them, oh, I don't need to work out. I just, uh, running through the airports is my workout. I lift my luggage up and put it up there. That's my lifts and my walking. And I think there was some merit to that. And then they would say, do you take any uh, supplements? I said, no, I don't need supplements. I just eat right. And then I was rushed to the hospital in an ambulance with a heart attack. Came out of the hospital, thank God, with three stents in my heart. And since then, I've been trying to take care of myself physically. You see, you don't have to be buffed, become a gym dweller to be healthy. Just be healthy. Walk, row, bike. Just stay active. Because physical activity will keep you mentally alert. 
it will increase your lifespan, it will relieve stress, it will retain mobility. So what about diet? This is what I've discovered, moderation in all things, just be moderate. So before I had my heart attack, because I traveled, uh, everywhere I went, people took good care of me, took me to the best of restaurants, the high-end food, and I love a good filet mignon, love a good filet mignon, with french fries, of course. So at least three, maybe four times a week, I was having filets, french fries, and <laughs> all that goes with it. Lots of bread, and then it caught up with me. I still have a fillet. So my cardiologist, there were three of them who said the same thing to me. Because I asked them this question, I said, I love a good steak. How many steaks can I have? <laughs> they all laughed at it. And then they said two things to me. One, have about two steaks a month. And then avoid red meat if you can, but two steaks a month. And the second thing I said to me was, if you're going to have two steaks a month, have good steaks. Go to a place or grill your own, but make them good steaks, fat-free steaks. All I'm saying to you is diet in moderation. You don't have to stop. You don't have to start. You don't have to accumulate. Just moderation. So, I promised you at the end of every point, I'm going to ask you the same question. What's the one thing you can do to go from a five to a six physically in the next month? Let's go to number two. Take care of yourself relationally. Taking care of yourself relationally starts with family. If you're married, how's your marriage? If you're a parent, how's your parenting? How's your family ecosystem, your in-laws, your grandchildren? How is your family? How are you dealing with relationally? Because one of the worst things that happens in a family is when family fragmentation begins to happen. When family relationships start eroding. When families find themselves in tension every time they are together. When families cannot have open conversations with each other and have to be walking on eggshells around each other. When families take on offense easily, how are you taking care of your relationships? How are you taking care of your friends' relationships? Friends, friends, friends. Because somebody said that friends, some friends come for a reason, some for a season, some come for a lifetime. How are you taking care of your friends' relationships? In my life, I've had thousands of friends at different levels in different ways in my life. I have a whole group of friends who I'm still friends with because we were in college together. Oh man, two centuries ago. <laughs> I have another friend, set of friends who are leading organizations right now. I have another set of friends who just are just friends. And then how are you handling your relationship, not just with family, not just with friends, but with foes? 
How are you handling a relationship with people who don't like you and you don't like them? How are you handling that relationship with people that you don't get along with? How are you handling a relationship with people who are with you or not with you anymore? Or you are with them and you're not with them anymore? How are you handling your relationships at work? Wherever that work might be. Sacred or secular really doesn't mean. Corporate or church doesn't make any difference. How are you handling those relationships? How are you managing those relationships? And how are you managing your relationships that are outside your work relationship? Because all relationships are transitional. Just know that. Because you're engaging and disengaging on a regular basis. You have in your life engaged with relationships from whom you disengaged. Disengaged does not mean a con complete cutoff, but you're not the homie that you used to be. You're not as close as you used to be. And then you are engaging with people who are new to you. And then you're also re-engaging with people at different times and spaces, ages and stages of your life. So this is what I know about taking care of relationships. Your relationships will guide your life. We are here because of relationships. You are doing what you're doing because of relationships. I'm doing what I'm doing because of relationships. It's all about relationships. So let's do that last point again. So what's the one thing you can do to go from a five to a six relationally in the next month? Write it down. I'm going to come back to this. Write it down. Number three. I'm talking about press in. Number three. E. Taking care of yourself emotionally. Emotionally. Feelings. Feelings, feelings. Now I have some friends who say you can't go by feelings, can't go by feelings, can't go by feelings. But here's what you need to know about feelings. Feelings are the most accessible part of a human being. I can make you mad easier than I can make you think. I can make you laugh easier than I can have you engaged with a project that I'm working with. Your feelings are the most accessible part of you. A stranger can hurt your feelings. Because it is a, it's like an onion. It's the most exposed part of you. And then another thing about feelings is that all major decisions you have made in life will make a life are going to be feeling decisions. So when people say don't go by feelings, that's not true. Who you marry is a feeling decision. The kind of Christmas gift you buy for somebody, the kind of money you spend on somebody for their gift is a feeling decision. The house that you buy, the apartment that you rent is a feeling decision. When people come to your church and they join your church and become members of your church, they say the same thing. It feels like home. Because you see, you will not remember what somebody said, but you will remember how they made you feel. And then another thing about feelings is that your feelings will control your relationships. Your feelings control your relationships. Those that you may make you feel good, you'll be closer to them. Those that make you feel yucky, you can stay away from them. 
those that make you feel fulfilled, you're going to gravitate towards them. Those that make you feel disappointed at yourself, you're going to try to avoid them. It's just like that. Your feelings control your relationships. And another thing I've learned about emotional maturity is it doesn't come with age. It comes from two things. Your emotional maturity does not come from your age. It comes from two things. You ready? Number one comes from self-awareness and number two from self-management. Self-awareness and self-management. Self-awareness is this is where I'm in life. This is where I'm going in life. This is what is bringing me fulfillment. This is what's bringing me disappointment. This is where I want to go. This is where I don't want to go. Self-awareness and then self-management. Once you become aware, then you try to manage those moments that you have emotionally. Another thing that you need to know about emotions is you got to detox on a regular basis. Detox on a regular basis. So just when, just as soon as you have a tough conversation, try to find a conversation that's not as tough. If you've been around somebody who has made withdrawals from your life, you might want to go to a gas station, a friend, a family member who can replenish the gas that you've just expended. Detox regularly. And finally, under emotions, don't put your emotions or your emotional health into the hands of anybody else. Never put your emotional health in the hands of anybody else. So, here we are again. The same question I'm asking after each point is, what's the one thing you can do to go from a five to a six in the next month? Number four is spiritual. It is the middle alphabet of the seven alphabets I'm giving you of press in. Your vertical relationship controls your horizontal relationships. Your relationship with God controls your relationship with people. You have a messed up relationship with God, you're going to have a messed up relationship with people. You cannot have good relations with people if you don't have a good relationship with God. Because the vertical controls your horizontal. The other thing you need to know about spirituality is, when it says pray without ceasing, he really meant that. Because it's never enough. It will never be enough. It's not about the hours that you pray or the hours that you read your Bible or the hours that you go to church. It is never enough. Can, can I ask you a simple question? Here's my question for you. Do you pray enough? I don't care if I ask that question for a million people. Truthful people, self-aware people, honest people will tell me no. And my second question will be, so what's enough? If you don't pray enough, what's enough? It'll never be enough. And then there's spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. That's, that, that's been my challenge all my life. It's been my greatest struggle. Spiritual disciplines. So I can tell you in Sam Chan's life, there are times that I feel really close to God. There are times that I feel distant from God. And you know, he has not moved. So it is me. Sometimes I have good Bible times. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I have good prayer times. Sometimes I don't. It's a challenge. And possibly yours as well. 
because it is all about the heart, is not it? How you manage your spirituality is all about the heart. It is about your motivations, that is what heart is, motivations. And we can keep our motivations pure, as pure as they can be, humanly speaking. That is good taking care of your spirituality. So, here we go. Same question again. I am asking you the fourth time. What is the one thing you can do to go from a 5 to a 6 spiritually in the next month? Number 5, 5, 6, and 7. Only 3 more to go. 5. Succession. S stands for succession and transition. Succession and transition. This is what you need to know about your leadership. You are temporary. Everyone is temporary. Everyone is interim. We, all of us, will leave voluntarily or involuntarily. So, you have lived your life by design. Why do you want to leave your succession and transition to default? You lived it by design. Work your succession and transition towards default. I can tell you I get at least two phone calls every week from some leader in some phase of transition and succession. I am doing more work in that whole area of transition and succession than anything else simply because that is where people are realizing they are at. So, succession, what is succession about? Succession is not about one person leaving another person coming in. Succession is about the viability and sustainability of your organization. That is what succession is about. It is not about you going, somebody else coming, you transitioning. It is how can we position this organization for future viability, sustainability and success. So, here is the question again. What is the one thing you can do to go from a 5 to a 6 in the next month in the whole area of succession? Maybe that means reading. Maybe it means talking to a few friends. Maybe it, it means uh, Googling. Maybe it needs, means talking to a consultant coach. Doesn't matter what it means, but it means something for you. Number six is the word in. I stands for income and finances. This is what I've learned in my life. Living below your means is what's going to keep you healthy, take care of you financially. Because you see, when your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep will become your downfall. I want to give that to you again. When your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep will become your downfall. Very few leaders have a financial plan for their future. They have a financial plan for their organization. But I say to leaders, so if you're to uh, uh, transition at certain certain age. Tell me about your resources that you have explored, managed, saved, invested. Very, very few. In the church world, that is why most leaders stay way beyond their productive years because they have not taken care of themselves financially. So, they end up depending on the viability of an organization to support them. And many leaders do not account for increased medical and health costs in aging. Many leaders have lived a life of generosity and want to continue doing that because they have not managed and planned. They cannot do that going forward. So, here is my question for you again for the sixth time in a different phase. 
what is the one thing you can do to go from a 5 to a 6 financially for your future in the next 30 days? It could be looking at your resources. It could be writing it down. It could be reaching out to a financial planner. Doesn't matter what it is, but you can do something about it. And now I'm at number seven, my favorite one, my favorite one. And that is the letter N, which stands for no. I want to encourage you to say no more often than you're saying yes. See, till the age of 40, 45, we all get ahead in life by saying yes. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll be there. Yes, I'll speak there. Yes, I'll travel that. Yes, I will show up for that. Yes, yes, yes. But then 45 on, life is defined by saying no. And here's the challenge with that. The no muscle is rarely used, so quite weak and needs exercise to get stronger. Because we have said yes, 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 yes. But the no muscle, which is there, is weak. And we think if I said no, I'm going to offend somebody. If I said no, I'm going to lose that opportunity. If I said no, they're going to misunderstand. But you got to focus on your age and stage and ask yourself, what will take me forward? So say no is your greatest priority right now. For me, for example, I'm focusing on two things in my life right now. Creating content and I am trying to influence the influencers. So when I got this uh, invitation from Greg Atkinson to speak at uh, this amazing conference, I said to myself, do I want to say yes to this or no? And then I realized I'd be influencing influencers. So I said yes. If it was not that, I would have said no. So how is your no muscle? Question number seven. What's the one thing you can do to go from a five to a six in the next month to strengthen your no muscle? So by now, by now, everyone should have seven points, right? Seven points. And you may want to share that with somebody. You may not want to share that with others. But you have seven points that you have action items at the end of this. So I want to give you a scripture or two scriptures actually, Luke chapter 2 and Acts chapter 6 and conclude with that. Luke chapter 6, the context, Luke chapter 2, sorry, the context is Jesus is 12 years of age. His parents had lost him. They find him in the temple. He goes home with them to Nazareth. At the age of 12, that's in Luke chapter 2. The next time we see him is in Luke chapter 3, verse 23, at the age of 30. So in, he goes 18 years from Luke 2 to Luke 3. Everybody wants to know what happened in those three years. I'm going to tell you what happened in those three years. It is found in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Because he went home maturing, it says, subject to his parents. And he matured under his parents. And the verse says this. Verse four, uh, 52 of Luke chapter 2 says, And Jesus increased in number one wisdom, number two, and stature, number three, and in favor with God 
and man. So wisdom, he grew. He took care of himself intellectually and emotionally. Stature, he grew physically in his status and his maturity. Favor with God, with uh, spiritually, he grew. And with man, relationally, likability. All that was happening, Jesus took care of press in. Focused on his personal stuff in those 18 years between 12 and 30. The last scripture I want to share with you is Acts chapter 6 verse 3. Is in the Living Bible. Here was the context. Context is, uh, is the first conflict in the church. The Greek widows and the Grecian and the Jewish widows are not getting along because the Greeks say that we're not getting the same food and the same service and same care. We are being dismissed. We are being uh, discriminated against. You're taking care of the Jews but not taking care of the Greeks. And that's where the apostles uh, talk about their mislaid priorities and they select the deacons. And then before they do that, they create a job description. This is what it says in Acts chapter 6 verse 3. Now look around among yourselves, dear brothers, and select seven men. Number one, wise. Number two, full of the Holy Spirit. Number three, who are well thought of by everyone. And we will put them in charge of this business. Number one, be wise. Emotionally. Take care of yourself in your maturity, full of the Holy Spirit. They're taking care of their spirituality and who are well thought of by everyone. They had relationship equity. I want to say to all the leaders who are listening to me right now, press in. Take care of yourself physically, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, succession-wise. Your income, your money, and learn to say no. This is your friend Sam Chan saying, before you can take care of the organization, take care of 